Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Ayo! Ayo! Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where it's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. I'm your host, Michelle. You can find me on Twitter at Ball Blastem, Ball Blast E-M. And I'm Kate. You can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Jake. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Before we get into today's podcast, smash that five-star review on whatever app you're listening to us. Please and thank you. And yes, I said five star. No four stars out there. We're, we're five, five star quality. We're, we're in the five star business. That's Strictly it. Five Either stars. give a one star or five star. <laughs> get out of here with your middle stars. If you hate us, no, give just us a, a five star. <laughs> Don't give us a one star either. Um, I will respect you more with a one than a five uh, or than also, a four. Guys, I wanted to shout us out. We had our 150th episode and missed it. Oh, this oh is no. Our 152nd episode. So let's pat ourselves on the back. Obviously, Jake, you haven't been with us the whole time, but it feels like you have been. So I want you to celebrate all 152 times with us. And for that, you have to take 152 sips of White Claw. So join I'm me. I'm not going to do that. Join- <laughs> I don't think we'd get through the podcast. Oh, no, we would die. We would 100% die. I don't know. I might be able to. I could probably handle it. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's fine. Um, But cheers to that. Very excited that we've been on this wild adventure for two years now. Yeah, cheers. Instead of 150 sips, we'll take one and a half. You know, just put the little point there. 1.5. Yes. (laughs) 1.52 sips throughout this episode will be had. But we have so much NFL news to get to that like any of this jibber jabber in the beginning has to go. Because this has been the most wild offseason that I, I've honestly ever remembered. The amount of elite stars leaving one team to go to the next is just insane. So today, you're probably listening to us on Thursday. But on Wednesday, you know, we get an alert in the morning. The Chiefs are interested in trading or gave Tyreek Hill permission to seek a trade. I see that, and I'm like, no way this actually happens, right? I'm like, it's not going to happen. And oh, it happened quickly. Within like an hour to two hours. It was like, okay, it's done. He's to my, He goes to Miami. for the, You know, the Chiefs get a ton of picks, and the Dolphins get Tyreek Hill. They make him the highest paid wide receiver in the league. Man, what are we thinking about Tyreek Hill? Let's just start with him. His fantasy value. What, do you, what are your initial reactions, Jake? Tyreek Hill couldn't possibly land in a spot that was going to be better for his fantasy value than where he was with Kansas City, in my opinion. So no matter what, as soon as I saw the alert, I go, well, crap. I guess it's a good thing I don't have many Tyreek Hill shares because I couldn't think of a spot, maybe outside of Green Bay, which was unrealistic anyways, that it would work. So he goes there with Tua now as his quarterback in Miami. I'm not writing him off because of Tua, but now he's there with Jalen Waddell. And it's just not as inspiring, you know? And it's a new scenery. It's not the same comfortable Patrick Mahomes uh, stack with Hill that we're used to. So it's an automatic downgrade to me. I don't know by how much, though. I really haven't processed how much I need to move him down. But he's no longer that top five guy for me right now. Kate, would you still have him in the top 10 for 2022? Yes, absolutely. I think, I mean, he is going to be... The wide receiver one on that offense, I do think that he's going to elevate to a, like I I talk all the time about um, these wide receivers in the NFL. There are wide receivers that um, are good for their quarterbacks. There are wide receivers that are like very neutral. I do think that Tyreek Hill is a guy that upgrades your quarterback and he upgrades the playmakers around you. Tyreek Hill uh, alongside Jalen Waddell, he does open things up. Um, 
you know, we saw a a drop in his average depth of target. So, like, if we want to talk about, uh, you know, Tua's ability to pass downfield, he can pass downfield. But, I mean, we saw Tyreek Hill have elite production this year with, you know, a, a, you know, below his career average at depth of target. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, though, it's like he's been a deep receiving master since 2017. So that's 17, 18, 19, 20. I had to count these seasons real quick. The, over the last five seasons, he is first in deep targets, first in deep receptions, first in deep receiving yards, first in deep receiving touchdowns in the NFL. And when I'm saying deep, that means 20-plus air yards, passes of 20-plus air yards. Like, he doesn't just – like, he can do it anywhere on the field, but – the reason why he was so special in fantasy was because of these uh, deep looks from Mahomes. While you're looking at Tua, now it's not fair because it's a different system, right? He's heading into a different different system with a new coach. Um, and then he also gets Tyreek Hill, which should help him. But he attempted a deep pass in just 7.1% of his pass attempts in his career, which is the second lowest in the NFL since 2022 or since 2020. Only Jimmy Garoppolo has a lower rate. Now, with Jimmy Garoppolo, he also had great weapons. You know, he had Devo Samuel, who made him better. He had Brandon Ayuka, that makes him better. He has George Kittle to make him better. We still don't ever want to start Jimmy Garoppolo in fantasy. Right? Unless you're desperate. I mean, you know, two quarterback leagues, I guess you might find yourself in a situation where you're forced into it, as you could be with Tua. But I would argue here that Tua is going to be a much more fantasy-relevant quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, mostly because of Tyreek Hill. So I do have to agree with Kate that that is such a big bump up for him. Not to mention that, yes, Jalen Waddle should take great strides this year. Mike Gusecki is still there, and though I don't like him for fantasy, I like what he can do for the quarterback. So all of that still adds up to Tua, who back in college, you know, could throw pretty well deep. He averaged like 12.7 yards per attempt um, back in college. Uh or average depth of target of 20, excuse me, 12.7 yards. I said a lot there. But what I'm really <laughs> wanting to say is that I believe in Tua for this year. I just don't think people are forgetting that tank for Tua was a thing. Okay, so, I mean, let's say we're just talking about one quarterback league. Is he going to be drafted? And then would you rather Tua or would you rather Derek Carr with, now with Devontae Adams? They both got their new wide receiver one. Which one would you rather draft late in drafts in 2022? We've seen it with Derek Carr where he's been a fringe quarterback one, and now he gets the Devontae upgrade. So I would take Carr in that instance. Ugh, I'm think, also taking Carr, and I hate Carr. I think I'd take Tua because <laughs> I think there's more rushing upside. Is there? Not that we've seen so far in the NFL, but I think we saw Tua be plenty mobile in college. And I think we've seen a big enough sample size. Like, it's not like that was where Tua's game was, uh, you know, centered in college. But I do think he has plenty of rushing ability, whereas Derek Carr, uh, he is a statue. I just, I I think this is a mute point anyways. And Superflex leagues, obviously, you know, you might want to target him as a quarterback too, you know, in your second quarterback spot. But in one quarterback leagues, there's just too many quarterbacks right now that are too good for fantasy. Maybe as a late sleeper, we can talk about him more as the offseason goes on. But now let's talk about Jalen Waddle because Tyreek Hill goes there. Jalen Waddle was starting to break out last year. He did break out for a rookie. He had a great season. Um, when he really started to take off was week six. And from week six to 18, Waddle saw 25% of Dolphins' targets. Um, that number has to decrease, right, with Tyreek Hill? But the real question is how much and is it will his efficiency make up for that percentage that he's going to lose? I think so. The real question. I, I, but Mike, I absolutely What does think Mike so. McDaniel think about this? That's what I need to know. Because if Mike McDaniel doesn't want to do that, then it, all of this is a, a moo point, as they say. It's like a cow's opinion. It doesn't matter. It's moo. Because if Mike McDaniel is off on it and is only going to let him pass a certain amount of times, no matter what the target distribution even looks like, then I don't know what to make of, of Waddle. But here's the thing that I keep going back to. Like, uh, yes, they brought in, you know, Chase Edmonds. Um, like, I, I 
that's totally fine, but they're not making these big investments in the run game. They're making these investments in the passing game. That is where they're putting their stock. And I think if you had a, a coach coming in and saying, uh, no, the emphasis is going to be on the defense, on the run, I don't think you would be trading all of this for Tyreek Hill and giving him all this money. I think the emphasis is to get to a going or get off the pot, as they say. I just don't know what Jalen Waddle's ceiling is anymore with Tyreek Hill. Like, we were all thinking, like, he could have this monster year this season. I don't know if I see that anymore. I could still – I could put him around the T. Higgins range of 2021, um, which is still around, like, a wide receiver 15, which is still plenty good. Um, but also it's Tua instead of Joe Burrow. You would think less pass attempts. I don't know. We'll have to see where Jalen Waddle's um, average draft position ends up as we get closer to the season. But at his current price, I'm out. I'm out. It stinks for Jalen Waddle. But Tyreek Hill should take over as the main guy there. Now let's go to the Kansas City side. Patrick Mahomes, does this change him for fantasy at all? I mean, obviously we'd still rank him as a top five fantasy quarterback going into 2022. Like, I'm not too worried about that. He's a bum. But he's a bum, as <laughs> my dad would probably say. Because uh, he calls every player a bum. But the – I mean, he's losing his best weapon. I will say his number... I thought you were going to say best friend. And I was like, oh, maybe best friend. But maybe, yeah. His numbers did fall off a little bit with Tyreek on and off the field. Looking at next-gen stats, when he's on the field, 67 completion percentage. That goes down to 63 with him off the field. That's actually a pretty large jump. Um, Yards per attempt go down from 8.2 to 7.7. The open target percentage, the amount of times he's targeting an open wide receiver, goes down from 53% to 47 So there is a difference. But how much is this going to really affect your rankings of Mahomes? Let's say they take a wide receiver in the first round. Well, if they take a receiver in the first round, I'm over the moon because I still think that we haven't talked about it just yet, but spoiler alert, they already got a new wide receiver there in town who is going to be a dynamo number two, now presumably the number one. So those stats with and without Hill, of course, have to come with that caveat of they never had somebody like Juju Smith-Schuster there before. And so now that he is there, that changes things so much, and it doesn't really move the needle downward for me on Mahomes. Yeah, so let's talk about Juju here. He signs to the Chiefs, already like, okay, pretty nice landing spot. You know, his efficiency should go up. Maybe his targets, he won't have a ton of targets playing across from Tyreek Hill, but his efficiency should definitely go up in that offense, playing with Patrick Mahomes. Now Hill is gone. I mean, Juju is pretty much the only guy there as a wide receiver. Obviously, they still have Travis Kelsey, who will be doing his thing. But we got Mikkel Hardman. Uh, They even got rid of finally Demarcus Robinson. It's finally gone. I mean, he was there forever, (laughs) forever. He's finally gone. Didn't Byron Pingle also sign with the Bears? I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure he's gone. doesn't really matter. So you got Michael Hardman and Juju, and that's it right now. Now, I do expect them to go wide receiver early in the draft, but that is a late first, or they're using a second. So Juju should be the guy. I mean, how crazy are we going to get with Juju here? Because it seems like on Twitter, people are split. People are either really excited or people are saying, you know, he showed he couldn't be a wide receiver one in Pittsburgh. He's not going to be a wide receiver one with the Chiefs. What are your guys' initial reactions? Let's start with DJ because we love Juju, and then I'll get to Kate after you. Well, first of all, I'm so disheartened that you didn't even mention Josh Gordon on their wide receiving depth chart. Here. My bad. The, the My absolute Gordon, disrespect. Josh Gordon forgot he was playing with <laughs> Joshua Gordon, the de facto number five on the team still somehow. Uh, I do think that Juju Smith-Schuster, the big argument against him was, can he do it as the number one guy? Can he really be that? Because, of course, after Antonio Brown left in Pittsburgh, his production did go down, and so that's when those narratives started to form. But we haven't seen him in this style of offense with this style of quarterback I believe that Juju Smith-Schuster, even if they add a wide receiver in this draft, which they likely will, is it's almost impossible for me to take him out of the top 10 to 12 wide receivers, and I can see going higher with him. I mean, yeah. Kate, go ahead first, and then I'll give my thoughts. 
I mean, it, so the interesting thing about Juju Smith-Schuster and the reason why I guess I just don't understand the uh, the amount of concerns that are piling on for Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously his yards per reception has dropped significantly over the past two seasons. His average depth of target has been bottom of the barrel, but like that's the same goes for literally every player in the offense. So it was very much, I think a product of where Ben Roethlisberger was the fact that like there are just no isolated circumstances to say that Juju can't do it on his own. He's either been injured. You've had uh, Mason Rudolph at quarterback. You've had an ancient Ben Roethlisberger who had to get the ball out within three seconds or within literally two seconds um, and <laughs> having the fastest release time in the NFL, like those are all circumstances that he had to play with. I just don't think you can write off the kind of production he had back in 2018 that quickly when there have been these many variables floating in the mix. Yeah, I mean, we can't forget that at just 22 years old, he put up a 1,400-yard season. I get it was across from A.B., but you guys, I say it all the time, how many wide receivers played across from A.B. in their careers and did nothing? It happens all the time. Devontae Adams, I mean, there hasn't been a wide receiver, too, that's done anything for the Packers forever, and that's why we've been crying about it. Like, it's not just, oh, you get to play across from a great wide receiver, you're going to be great. Like, that's not how it works. You have to still be talented and in 2019, when he was healthy and when he was actually in the field, he averaged 13 yards per reception. That was without Antonio Brown. That was with Mason Rudolph. That was with Duck Hodges. His yards per reception didn't fly down until 2020 and 2021 when Ben came back. Like, let's not remember. Let's not forget. Let's remember <laughs> that Ben came back from a elbow injury where they didn't know if he was going to be able to play anymore. It's not just that he was old. His arm actually did not work anymore. I mean, he could not throw any longer when he came back. I hear the it elbow was, is important it to was, the throwing motion. It was dead. He couldn't throw. <laughs> Every defense knew this. It was floppy. All of them were getting murdered the second they touched the ball. And like, let's see what he can do with Patrick Mahomes in open space. He's really good after the catch. He was to start his career. So I'm excited for him. He'll be ranked inside my top 12 for sure. Can we just talk about sure. how his agent pooed the bed on this deal? Oh, I know he's making like no money. He's Where making did... no money, and DJ Chark gets money. Christian was... Kirk gets money, and you can't tell me. Obviously, there's risks around Juju, but like you can't tell me that DJ Chark has done more to solidify himself into earning money. What is Ju I could have negotiated a better deal for Juju. I mean, James Washington pretty much got as close of a deal as Juju, and James Washington has done nothing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's bad. His agent's bad. Um, moving on, though. Let's That's the takeaway from this pod. We can shut it down. Let's let's get away from this whole Tyreek Hill trade. Uh, let's move on to another wild trade that just happened. Matt Ryan traded to the Colts. Um, I mean another wide receiver now becomes extremely interesting as possibly a top 12 guy in 2022. And that's Michael Pittman because Matt Ryan's wide receiver ones do pretty well. I mean, he's a pretty good quarterback. He is getting up there in age, but he knows how to hyper target a guy. That's for sure. So what are our thoughts on Pittman? He was the wide receiver 26. He averaged 14 points per game in 2021. How high does that go up in 2022 with Matt Ryan? I mean, this is a hot take, you guys, but Matt Ryan is still a better quarterback at this phase in his career than Carson Wentz. <laughs> no. So I'm very excited Spicy. to see where things go for Michael Pittman. I think that his trajectory, you know, makes him with Matt Ryan there. And again, we, we don't know who they'll be adding. And there's, you know, the ghost of T.Y. Hilton who is kind of lingering around there. And we don't know what their game plan is for him. But I bet that they would be willing to add a quality number two receiver there. But regardless, with Matt Ryan, who's probably not going to throw for 600 pass attempts this year like he has, you know, the last 10, basically. But the quality of target for Pittman is going to make him a de facto 12 to 15 range guy for me. And again, could even be higher. Agreed. Kate, what do you think? I love it. I love it for Michael Pittman. I love it for Matt Ryan. Um, Michelle, 
we talked about this a little bit. The concern really comes just from the touchdowns and Matt Ryan's ability to produce those touchdowns hasn't cracked that 30 touchdown mark over the last uh, three seasons since 2018. Is that going to be an issue? I don't know. Cause we saw, I mean, Michael Pittman and Julio Jones are obviously not the same wide receiver hot take, but like, is there going to be maybe enough volume to sustain Michael Pittman? Uh, maybe despite the lack of touchdowns. Yeah. I think that's my only worry here is can, you know, can Matt Ryan sustain a guy to have 10 plus touchdowns, but I mean, we saw him do it with Calvin Ridley, right? Calvin Ridley was a touchdown machine. So maybe we can see that same thing. I brought this up on a different podcast probably about a month ago or so now, but Russell Gage was doing his thing with Matt Ryan. Thing is, Matt Ryan will pepper any wide receiver, right? It doesn't really matter who it is. He needs a wide receiver one, and whoever that body is, he's going to pepper that dude with targets. Over the last eight games of the 2021 season, Russell Gage was on a 17-game pace for 144 targets and 1,300 receiving yards. I think we'd all agree Michael Pittman is a much better wide receiver than Russell Gage. I, I'm i not going to say Russell Gage is going to put up 1,300 yards in 2022, but he should have a very nice season. I, it's very likely that he's a top 12 wide receiver for me, probably right at that line. Like, I'm not going to get crazy with it, but I do think it would be really hard to pick Juju over Michael Pittman if I'm staring at him in a best ball draft right now. Um, you know, best ball or, or the drafts going on in this off season. Once we get to actual draft season at the end of August, September, maybe I change my mind, but if you're drafting right now, Kate, who are you picking? Is it Juju or is it Michael Pittman? It's Michael or it's Juju for me. Sorry. Um, it's you only Juju. had two picks here in you. I know. No, sorry. I was reading my <laughs> old misdirect. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I think they call that the counter. In Madden, I, I gotcha, I gotcha, juiced you good. Um, I mean, Juju's not that much older than Michael Pittman. We've already seen the ceiling for Juju, and that's like a top five wide receiver. Like, we know that's within the realm of possibilities because we've seen it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Matt Ryan. There, I'll say it. Yeah, I do think Juju's ceiling in that offense is higher than Michael Pittman's because the Colts offense, even with Matt Ryan, it's still the Jonathan Taylor show. So does this change anything about Jonathan Taylor? Is it kind of just like, eh, he should look like what he did last year? Or do we think he could get more targets with Matt Ryan? I mean, we already saw his targets go up last year from his rookie season. He had 51 last year, 10% of the Colts' targets. If he keeps that 10%, you would expect them to pass more next year with Matt Ryan uh, compared to what they did with Carson Wentz. Just probably are going to trust him a bit more. I mean, I, I feel like Jonathan Taylor can only go up with this trade. Matt Ryan uh, threw an average of 8.6 targets to the running back per game. That is good news. That is good news. Wheels up on Naeem Hines, right, guys? Ooh, ooh. I mean, he could be a flex play at times, but you he, would. Naeem Hines is going to be what I wanted JD McKissick to be so hard <laughs> in 2021. <laughs> Probably. The thing with Jonathan Taylor is he scored so many touchdowns in 2021, and he was on an offense that kind of was poopy because of Carson Wentz. So now, if you do have Matt Ryan and he is, you know, more consistent and you're able to rely on him, and he's able to keep the offense on the field and get them into scoring position, like, Jonathan Taylor could actually score more touchdowns this year, which is just wild. Uh, so I'm not ready to say that, but I'm ready to get away some of the dread about regression for touchdowns. Like, I feel like, yes, staying consistent, very much within the wheelhouse now. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor should still be the one. Like, he's the 101, I think, in 2022 drafts. In, in you know, one quarterback leagues, he's he should still be the one on one. I know running backs don't repeat the RB one spot, but get out of here. I don't care. It's still Jonathan Taylor. Moving on to the next trade from this Matt Ryan trade. After the, the Falcons traded Matt Ryan to the Colts, they went and signed Marcus Mariota. Oh man, this Falcons team is brutal. I mean, I can't name like anything exciting about this squad besides Kyle Pitts. You have Kyle Pitts, and when you're looking at 
the rest of the offense, it's like, oh, goodness. When you're looking at the defense besides A.J. Terrell, it's like, oh, goodness. Like, poor them. They have so many holes. This this team is going to be garbage, like straight garbage. How worried are we about Kyle Pitts? Okay, well, the defense helps Kyle Pitts because, <laughs> yes, they're going to continue to be awful, and so they will, by default, have to continue throwing, which isn't something that we've seen from Marcus Mariota in the past, really, because he hasn't had to throw for 600 pass attempts before. That could come close to fruition this he year. Cannot. His arm would literally happen. fall off. I, he's not that kind of quarterback. That would be so it bad. But well, or, well, he has obviously a higher rushing floor than Matt Ryan does too. So, for a Mariota perspective, he can make up with some of it with his legs. For Kyle Pitts, though, yeah, the only game in town for right now, outside of Cordero Patterson. And how dare you forget about Cordero Patterson, uh, who was great for like six games last year? But Kyle Pitts by default, is going to get so many targets that I don't think it matters. I really don't think it matters. It's kind of a TJ Hawkinson light situation with the concern last year of what's TJ Hawkinson really going to do? Who cares? He's going to get a million targets. That's how I feel about Pitts. But that's, I mean, if you're going to say that, though, as soon as Hawkinson went off in the beginning of the year, teams caught on and he was bracketed and Hawkinson died. I mean, he didn't do anything after that, really. Be, there would be certain weeks, and then that's what they learned about uh, Darren Waller, too, last year when finally teams were like, okay, they have to pass to anyone else. We're going to make them pass to Hunter Renfro, which Derek Carr ended up being able to do once you know Waller was hurt and everything. But I, that's what makes me, makes me most concerned. If it is just the Kyle Pitts show, defenses are going to put three guys right around him, put a little bracket around him, and Marcus Mariota is going to have to hit him. Like in space, and, and that's accurately. when we get thirty-four targets to Cordero Patterson per game, <laughs> and it's going to be freaking amazing. But can I just like make this argument with Marcus Mariota? Obviously, they need to do something with the offense. Like they need to do literally anything, literally <laughs> anything. Just get warm bodies into the receiving room, but like. To be fair to Marcus Mariota, like he really was never in a position where they had to rely on his arm in Tennessee. They had DeMarco Murray, then they had Derrick Henry. Like they never really asked Marcus Mariota to put the team on his back. We don't really know what Marcus Mariota is going to be looking like when he's pushed to the to the passing limit here. I think we're going to agree, though, that he's going to need to throw the ball plenty, um, and that's that's not really the best thing. Are there any free agents right now that could shift your, the narrative for this team, like Jarvis Landry? He's not going to sign there. Jarvis Landry's sick of playing with a quarterback that he doesn't like, he doesn't trust, I can't get him the ball. All of a sudden, Jarvis Landry and OBJ are like, yeah, I go back to Cleveland now. I love Baker, and clearly they do not. They're not going to go play on a guard. Like, OBJ is not going to choose Atlanta. Jarvis Landry is not going to go choose Atlanta. They're not going to choose a losing team with a bad quarterback. So they're going to have to draft someone, which they do have early draft picks. What if they signed Austin Hooper? Who is just released, and they just had like Austin a Hooper six... just signed somewhere, didn't he? I think with the Titans. Titans, he signed. With I think Titans. he just ended what? up. It totally yeah. flew under the radar because all this big news happened, and then like Austin Hooper also went somewhere. Yeah, that's a nice. <laughs> it's a nice signing for. Oh the damn! Good for the Titans. Yeah, that's actually a great signing. Okay, never mind. But that would have been so fun. I will say about Marcus Mariota, he Delaney Walker had some nice fantasy seasons with Marcus Mariota. 800 receiving yards, seven receiving touchdowns in 2016. 800 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns in 2017. Led the Titans in yards in that 2017 season. Um, and Kyle Pitts is a better talent than Delaney Walker. Right? So it, there's still hope. But I don't love the touchdown aspect for him, but he should get. Isn't Delaney plenty Walker of like a Hall of Fame tight end? No. No? No. He's not. But he was good. He was good. Oh. But he's definitely he not be. Hall of Fame. No, not, he, he's not. I'm not a big he, history buff. <laughs> no. Let's talk about Cordell Patterson very, very quickly before we move on to the next blockbuster trade. Um, 
Patterson re-signed with the Falcons. I do think this is the best move for him to stay with Arthur Smith, who finally figured out how to use him. However, the second half of the season was not close to the first half he had. First half, he just kept going off every game. End of the season went to 12, 13 points, 4, 8, 7, 2 points. Kind of fell off there. Is he still worth that, you know, late round pick? Yeah, absolutely. As a late round pick, but don't don't buy into him at what he did last year. Like, get it later. Get him later still in your drafts and it'll be fine. Moving on to the next trade, we have to talk about this guy, unfortunately. Deshaun Watson was traded. Who? Deshaun Watson was traded to the Browns. Listen, it's whatever, right? We have to talk about him in terms of fantasy football, in terms uh, of the uh, NFL. Uh, 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 uh. What did you write in the show doc, Michelle? Nothing. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yep, we got to talk about this douche. Um, it is what it is, right? Duché. If the NFL is going to let him be in the NFL, then we're going to have to talk about it. It sucks. But he gets all oh, this God. guaranteed money. And he is now the Browns' new quarterback. He gets to pass to Amari Cooper. Who the Browns got literally for a grain of rice. Yeah. So is there really an upgrade, though, when you're talking about Dak Prescott to Deshaun Watson in terms of fantasy production, like what he will do as a wide receiver in terms of fantasy points. Like, do we think there's going to be that difference of a scenario there, especially in the Browns? Like, the Cowboys pass far more than the Browns do. Right, and it's the offensive style that it's like, I mean, maybe it's uh, an even switch for Cooper. And I'm buying into that because target share should be a little bit more in his favor, you would obviously think here. And Deshaun Watson, yeah, I mean, he can still chuck the ball. Granted, if Deshaun Watson plays the entirety of 2022, there is still a chance that he might not, and a suspension could come down, to be fair. But assuming that he is playing, I I think it's a great upgrade for Donovan Peoples-Jones, who could be his new Will Fuller. I'm a little bit skeptical about anointing Amari Cooper as this, like, default wide receiver one in Cleveland right now. I think it could be a little bit worse than that. Yeah, I mean, we all know Deshaun Watson's a top five quarterback in the NFL easily. Like, he probably is higher than that when he's on the field. I do expect him to, I mean, you would think he's going to get at least an eight-game suspension at the very least. Um, the man just literally... He clearly thinks he's going to get a suspension. The Browns clearly think it. They set him up so he only gets one million base pay Don't in even get me started on that. So he doesn't lose any money because, God forbid, a guy has to, you know face any consequences for his actions. <sighs> Anyways, Watson is a good football player. That we know. So, uh, you know, if you want to draft a Mark Cooper, fine. But if he starts to be in a top three round pick, I don't. I would rather Michael Pittman. Jeez. I'm surprised you guys aren't seeing the upside here. Okay, so looking over the last three seasons, Deshaun Watson, reminder, sat out the entire 2021 season which was actually longer than any other season in NFL history. So missed 17 games last year. He still has thrown over the last three years more touchdowns than Ben Roethlisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton, Sam Darnold, all of them who played more games than Deshaun Watson. And that was yeah, but they all sitting suck. I know, they, they do, but that like that's also, what I'm saying. The is only that, oppressive name on this list is Ben Roethlisberger, and he also missed but, the full season. But I'm saying two seasons for Jimmy Garoppolo or for for Deshaun Watson is worth more than 17 games with all of these other guys. Yeah, but Ben, I mean, if you're including the last three seasons, he also missed the full season. In and time. among all of those quarterbacks who have thrown the ball at least a thousand times over the last three seasons. He's got the highest completion percentage out of all of them. I don't think you need to talk us into saying I'm Watson's saying, a great quarterback. But I'm he's saying a great he's going to deliver the football. So, Michelle, if you're not sold on Amari Cooper, then who are you sold on? Because he is going to throw the ball. You don't you don't make a move like this and, I mean, essentially tear apart the franchise that you just sent to the playoffs and uh, the franchise that just won the AFC North. I think Will Fuller forever. signs there, and I would rather have Will Fuller than Amari Cooper if that happens. Um, I, I do think they just get another guy across from Amari Cooper. I also, like I said, we're talking about just 2022 here. I don't think Watson plays 
a full year. I think he loses half a year. And at that point, you know, who's passing to who they just signed to Kobe Brissett's passing Amari Cooper. That's gross. Now, David and Joku, the dude you love, who I got mad on Twitter because I made a funny tweet about him, about Kate loving him and me not. And he called me out. This was when he had Baker Mayfield throwing him the ball. Now Deshaun Watson's going to throw Oh, the ball. how the turntables. And I'm going to look stupid <laughs> for saying David and Joku will never be anything for fantasy, which now he has a chance. Kate, what are your thoughts on David and Joku this season? I mean, it's a huge upgrade. I like, I think it, it obviously is a huge upgrade for Njoku. Um, it's a huge upgrade for Deshaun Watson. So like, in the last two seasons that Deshaun Watson played, he targeted the tight end position on almost 20% of his throws. And that was when he was throwing to Jordan Akins and Darren Fells. He had no suitable tight end to throw to, and he was still utilizing the position at not like one of the highest rates in the league, but for a guy who passes the ball as much as he did, he threw a decent chunk of those to the tight end. You have Austin Hooper out of town. Clearly, the Browns have had a change of heart about David Njoku, and I think he could be um, a, a very interesting prospect. He's somebody that I have stashed in my dynasty leagues, but I worry that Watson is going to raise his price to sort of that dead tight end zone that we all want to avoid from this time henceforth. Then you go for Harrison Bryant. and Me. just Meh. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. Meh. But, all right, let's move on to Nick Chubb then. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt's still in the air. I feel like he could be cut. Maybe, maybe he stays, but... Why? Why Why know, would they you? Could save, they could save money. Maybe they don't want two, you know, women uh, oh, abusers okay. uh, on the same team. I don't know. Maybe. Just my train of thought here. But Nick Chubb, how does this... Does this hurt him? Does this help him? You would think there'd be more scoring opportunities, but Nick Chubb scores touchdowns anyways. I do think this is probably bad for any target share he did possibly have because, you know, Deshaun Watson takes off running instead of checking down. What are your thoughts on Nick Chubb? I feel like it doesn't do anything for Nick Chubb, and I could be talking crazy here, but when we talk about mobile quarterbacks, I think that there's an illusion to some extent that they take away rushing attempts from, you know, their backfield but I think what they really do is they take away targets from the wide receivers. When he decides to take it down and run it, it's not he's not taking it away from Nick Chubb. He's probably taking it away from the receiver's opportunity at that point. I don't know. I mean, Nick Chubb is still he's going to be consistent because he's going to pound the ball. He's going to get so much volume. But I'm not excited about him. Yeah, and his efficiency should stay super high still. Like, he's still a really solid running back. He's one of those guys that really never finishes super, super high. But you know he's a solid running back from week to week. Just but the good thing is that, like, you know the ceiling is high for him. And presumably, if this is going to be a good offense, they should be running a lot of plays. So there should be, again, theoretically, if this is going to be a good offense, which it is on paper, I think, at this point, even without a solid wide receiver two in the mix, just yet just the presence of David and Joku cream hunt Nick Chubb like all of these different weapons add up to a solid offense for me there should be opportunities to make plays period okay we had some other signings throughout last week um since our last pod Jameis Winston signed back with the Saints which I think is good for him if Michael Thomas finally comes back you know you would expect them to draft a wide receiver in the first round. They really need help there. Uh, can he be a top 12 quarterback? I, I don't know. He was a quarterback eight in points per game in 2019 with the Bucks, But the season before that, quarterback 15. Season before that, quarterback 16, all with the Bucks. I would probably still keep him around that 15 range. What are you guys thinking? When he had 22 or more than 22 pass attempts last year, which – uh, I set the bar just because I, I feel like Jameis Winston last year just either didn't throw the ball a lot or he threw it a medium amount of times. Felt like 22 was just a solid number to split the split right down the middle there. In those three games where he threw for more than 22 times, he averaged uh, right around 22 points per game. Okay, but um, does one of those three games that, include the five touchdown game? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so that is like that's the question. Mark. Oh, okay. So the one out of the three includes the week one game, and it was four. Actually, not... he only had twenty attempts in that game, so it doesn't include. Uh, oh, sorry, I was I uh, forgot about oh, that game. Well, I was looking at the four and one. Time. Listen, if it doesn't include, it's five and zero. I'm okay with it because that means it balances out. There's one skewed game on each side. Oh, that's true. But, that's um, good math. Good math. Yeah, that's not bad. For me. <laughs> uh, but I like I, I just think um, I'm not super encouraged by the fact that only half of his games had more than 22 pass attempts. Like that's not fantastic because what over a 17 game season that would put him if he had 22 minimum in every game. That's 374 <laughs> pass attempts on low. a season. Way too low. But like you would think that has to go up. If Champagne's gone, maybe they pass more. I'm not, like, thrilled to go draft Jameis Winston. I probably, oh, man, Jameis Winston. If it's Michael Thomas and let's say they go get Garrett Wilson in round one. Let's say those are his two quarterback or two odd receivers. And you got Kamara or Tua. Which one would you rather roll with in 2022? I think Jameis. <laughs> I think Jameis, if that I is the situation. Because, like, the touchdown upside, yeah, even removing that crazy five-touchdown game. Like, the upside is so much better, I think, in that department. So I'd bank on Jameis. What about you, Kate? Uh, I think I'd roll with Tua. <laughs> like, if I'm just starting my franchise, like... That's not what I asked. I said, 2022 fantasy. <laughs> Who do you want? Tua or Jameis Winston? I think I'd take Tua. How did you change that to starting a franchise? Obviously, if you're starting a franchise, you'd rather roll with Tua. I mean, I would hope so. Okay. Um, but no, I think I'd rather take Tua from a fantasy perspective. Like I said it earlier, they made all of the the moves to invest in the passing game, not necessarily the run game. I think this is them giving Tua the opportunity. You you run with it now, or else we draft a quarterback next year. Maybe trade up for uh, Bryce Young, who's going to be draft eligible. Like. They have options in the 2023 draft. I think I, I'm going to roll with Tua based on the weapons, just based on the situation in general. I, sure. I'll take them. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Hopefully you're not stuck with either one of them in a one-quarterback league. That's just the truth. Tua now, finishes us a French QB1 next year. Talking about quarterbacks, though. So we have two quarterbacks that do not have a starting job right now, and the, the spaces are flying off the shelf right there's not a lot of starting quarterback gigs left so you have baker mayfield who got screwed out of this deshaun watson thing twice by the way because (laughs) he like you know the browns don't want him anymore and then his first spot he wanted to go to was the colts well deshaun watson ruined matt ryan's relationship with the falcons and then matt ryan goes to the colts deshaun ruins a lot of things watson ruined 22 girls lives and baker mayfield like that's twenty three people now. That number is starting to add up there already. More, <laughs> anyways. Talking about Baker Mayfield, is there any spot for him left in the NFL? And it, let's say there is a team that's still looking for a quarterback, right? Whether that be the Panthers or Seattle, if they're not going to go the rookie quarterback route, are they going to go Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker? Because one of those guys are going to be left without a starting gig. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo still has the injury concern, which is why he hasn't landed on some teams right now. There's already been teams coming out saying that, like, oh, that was kind of a deal breaker with that potential injury. So out of the two, it would make the most sense. And obviously Baker is just – he's such a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. It is insane. And Baker's had to play through his own injuries and did so with great aplomb, dare I say. So if I am choosing one of them, I'm choosing What is a plum? A plum, you know, great gusto, great. I prefer playing uh, with a nectarine. You, you stop it with your damn puns. Uh, but I will say, <laughs> Baker Mayfield would be excited. I wanted Jameis Winston to go to the Panthers. I would be excited for Baker Mayfield to go to the Panthers. I don't know if it's I'm excited for anybody out. to go to the Seahawks right now. I think yeah, that would be they- weird. The they Panthers. came out to say that they are actively, it was a very weird, well, actively disinterested in a trade. It was both ways. <laughs> they both were actively disinterested in each other. But that's other. such a weird phrase. Yeah. Just say you're not interested. 
but being like but, disinterested. Yeah. It in seems the like train. the Panthers are completely out on Baker, and Baker's completely out on Panthers, apparently. So it really just leaves Seattle. I mean, that's really it. Yeah. Unless he were to get cut and the Steelers were interested in him, that's like the only two options for him. Sending to have a Baker job. Mayfield to play with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, like that, that would be a freaking great thing. Now, if I were the Giants, I would be trading for Baker. But. I mean, that's an interesting prospect, but I do think that um, Terod Taylor's contract, although it wasn't as big as it was originally announced, um, they already said that he's sort of, like, not saying if he's... Oh, wait, Tyrod's in Miami, right? No, Tyrod's with the Giants. Oh, okay. I, I just hallucinated. Um, I... I think he goes to Seattle. Like, if I could bet $1,000. Then what's the holdup? Because Seattle knows they need a quarterback. Like, the, I don't I don't get what's the holdup here. The Browns know they have to get rid of Baker. Why haven't they done it yet? It seems like the holdup is with the Browns. Like, they're the ones that have been pussyfooting around and just being a little. Imagine Washington right now being like, oh, wow. We could have just traded, like, a six-rounder for Baker. But we traded two thirds for Carson Wentz and possibly a second and a third. I think you're going to And Baker's trade... a better quarterback just straight up than Carson Wentz. They're going to be asking more than a six-round pick for Baker Mayfield. I bet you the Browns at the end of things have to give up a pick to get rid of Baker. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I bet you. It's not going to be higher than six-round pick. It's going to be sixth, seventh, or they have to give up You're a telling pick. me that a team would rather take on of... Carson Wentz and, and yes, because Washington's the only stupid team out there, and it, they already did it. It's already done. I mean, Washington's the worst run franchise. We already know this. So, yes, uh, Bill O'Brien's not out there anymore. So, it sucks for Cleveland. I don't know. This is what Bill O'Brien's so bad, he's still going to find ways for the Texans the Colts, to give up picks, and he's not even involved anymore. The like, Colts traded away. Bring Baker to hold Houston. On, hold on, hold on. The Colts traded away Carson Wentz before going to get Matt Ryan. I don't know why teams are so stupid. Like, the fact that the 49ers traded away all this stuff for Trey Lance before getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, now teams know that you need to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. The fact that the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson before getting rid of it. Well, now they know you need to get rid of him. Like, they're not going to give you anything. Like, you got to get rid of your first quarterback before you get to second. Or else they're stupid. And they're stupid. They're stuck in a bad spot. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Leonard Fournette back with the Buccaneers. Best spot for him, clearly. Perfect. When we heard that he was visiting the Patriots, that would have been terrible for everybody involved. Him, the Damian My Harris. dynasty teams, yeah. everything. Probably the Patriots. I'm not going to get caught sleeping on Leonard Fournette this year, like I did last year. I will not repeat that mistake. Will Fournette be drafted inside the first two rounds? Probably, and I'm probably going you think to take so? him. You think he'll yeah, be a top I mean, he was a top pick? five guy last year, and he has the exact same situation outside of Gronk yet to return. Like it is basically the exact same situation, and except Chris Godwin Jones still isn't even a threat. Returning yeah. from an injury, so yeah. like he could have a higher target share. Uh, almost broke his record, uh, previous career record that he held in 2019. Um, had 100 targets in that season. Had 84 last year in 14 games. In 14 games, I think he. I, I think he could easily surpass probably 100 targets this year. And he had 10 scrimmage touchdowns. Like, that's totally, totally sustainable in the Buccaneers' offense with Tom Brady. Like, I don't – there's no reason to be like, oh, he can't get 10 again, right? And he was an RB4 in points per game. Yeah, I mean, he should be a second-round pick. I, I feel like people will still be sleeping on him, though. And you can get him late second, early third. Because he's not he's sexy be... anymore. He's not the sexy little wide re- er, <laughs> sexy little running back that he once was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, if Rojo, if Ronald Jones were to sign back with the Buccaneers, because he's still a free agent. He did go visit the Chiefs today. Uh, they were recording, but no news has come out yet about that. If Ronald Jones were to re-sign with the Buccaneers, would that make you hesitate at all, or it does not matter whatsoever? Didn't make his mark One. last year. Yeah, I can't imagine it happening anyways just because of his relationship with Bruce Arians. Like, Bruce Arians does not want Ronald Jones. <laughs> and it's fine. That's fine. But even if he does somehow end up back there, yeah, it doesn't do anything to deteriorate 
uh, Fournette's value. Yeah, I don't even know why he would choose to go there because Bruce Arians literally despises that man. So uh, let's move on. Rashad Penny back with the Seahawks. <laughs> I do think that's the best news for him <laughs> as well for his volume. But with Drew Locke, <laughs> well, like, what are the scoring opportunities going to be for him? You mean with Baker offense? Mayfield? I, with Baker, then I'm pumped for Rashad Penny. I mean, we've seen Nick Chubb be plenty good with Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield goes to Seattle, is Rashad Penny a second-round pick next year? I don't think that early just because of his injury history. But what? Let's talk yeah. about Rashad Penny's ceiling. Jake, I want to hear what you think his ceiling is. Let's say he stays healthy for 15 games, right? What is his ceiling? I think, I mean, his ceiling is what we saw at the end of last year. In like that last five-game stretch at the tail end of 2021 where he freaking, he went off. And it was not due to targets. So it wasn't just a PPR, oh, I got like 10 targets a game, because that was not his bag at all. He averaged like one and a half targets during the span. But he put up massive yards on the ground, 670 yards on the ground through five games. I mean, that's his ceiling. It's yet to be determined whether Chris Carson will be back in any capacity and have any sort of effect. And I would be dreading it if he does, because Pete Carroll loves him and so then there's a bit of a timeshare problem to me and the targets would be more in favor of Chris Carson I think but yeah his he's a bona fide top 10 guy if he's healthy he was the 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 RB1 weeks 12 through 18 so that's your fantasy football playoffs congratulations if you picked up Rashad Penny on your waivers he might have won you your league. Oh, he definitely did. I mean, he won me multiple leagues. The My belief in Rashad Penny, all the way back from 2018, finally won me a fantasy football I can't league wait. in 2021. I can't wait until it it. Zach Moss wins us the championship <laughs> in 2026. 2029. Like, that's, that's where we're headed for this. Oh, my Lord. No, I, I think this is great for Penny. He His efficiency in that offense has been fantastic i i do i agree with you chris carson's a big one there he did have very um like a, a serious neck injury he had surgery on his neck in december they have said they're optimistic that he could be ready by the season but you know they do save money if they cut him they save three million dollars that's a decent chunk when it comes to an injured running back especially if you think penny's going to be the dude um so we'll see what happens there Melvin Gordon's still a free agent. I just wanted to bring him up because backfields are filling up quickly. I mean, can you name a backfield right now where he can go to and it's going to have very many carries or be good? Maybe Houston, maybe Atlanta. Falcons. Yeah. And but it's not going to look pretty if it's no. one of those two teams. Exactly. Like, ooh, those are not good offenses to be in as a running back. With how long he's been out in the market, clearly not getting the contract he wants to get, does he go back to the Broncos Try to win that championship now that he's getting old in age with Russell Wilson and destroy our Javante Williams' hopes and dreams. He did help bring Russell Wilson into the fold. It was reported he was a big uh, proponent of getting him there. So That's you know, awkward. It could make sense, but uh, it's going to be weird. <laughs> For all you Javante Williams people out there, it's going to be real weird if that happens. Yeah, that will suck. I, I do think Melvin Gordon still has something left in the tank. And that's why, I, you know, he's st- if he gets re-signed by the Broncos, even for a small contract, he's still going to take up too much of that backfield. I run- still, that has to get done. They've been talking about this too long. I feel like you heard too much chatter from Melvin Gordon that he wants to come back with the team. I feel like there was just too much, too much history. The Falcons or Texans would have to pay up for Melvin Gordon because he's going to say, this is my last chance, and I'm going to go play for the two worst teams in the NFL. Like, you would have to pay up for him big time for him to choose there over, you know, a really cheap contract with the Broncos. Maybe the Bills make sense for him. Like, that could be a signing that big. Okay, maybe. Um, but I, I still mean, Duke think- Johnson already signed there, so, like, yeah. why bother? We'll, we'll, we'll see what <laughs> happens there. Uh, Robert Woods was traded to the Titans. He did tear his ACL later in the season, well, like mid-season. So he might not be ready to start the season. But I think this is really good for Allen Robinson because we were saying last episode, is there room for Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson and Robert Woods? Not likely. But there is room for two guys. We've already seen it last year. 
Uh, Robert Woods was scoring, you know, around 12 to 13 points per game before his injury. I think Allen Robinson can do that same thing and be just fine. Um, what, are we, what do you think about Robert Woods in Tennessee, though? I hate it. I have to finally be out on Robert Woods. That hasn't happened in so many moons. And now I have to look my teams in their faces and say, <laughs> I can't have Robert Woods on you. It's a, it's, it's a wasteland for him, in my opinion. I don't think we should pour too much into what Julio did there, because obviously the injuries are what zapped Julio in Tennessee last year. But it's A.J. Brown, and it's Derrick Henry, and it's scraps for everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I've never been a big Robert Woods person because he's just always been so blah to me. The ceiling was just never there. It was like, okay, yeah, this guy's safe, but he's not going to win you weeks, and I don't like guys like that. I get he was safe, but I don't like guys that aren't going to win you weeks. And now I definitely don't see him winning you weeks with the Titans, so I'm out completely. Kate? Yeah, I'm I'm out, but I think he's good. Like, he was a great, good talent. great uh acquisition by the titans i think this is good for ryan Tannehill. it's great for ryan Tannehill. i think it's good for aj brown like i I think robert woods is probably the best wide receiver he's going to play opposite cooper cup no not like opposite aj brown no i know but he did just aj brown didn't play opposite Oh, 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 I thought you were saying the best wide receiver. Or no, 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 no. Was I was saying against. this is probably the best wide receiver that A.J. Brown has ever played with, at least like when healthy. I'm not saying Julio Jones is as good as Robert. You, you get what I'm saying. We get what you're saying. But- Robert Woods is a very good wide receiver for NFL purposes. I just don't really care about him that much for fantasy, and I definitely don't care about him for fantasy with the Titans. No, if he drops far enough, then, you know, maybe he could be like, you know, if he's going around Darnell Mooney, but I think I'd still rather Darnell Mooney because of his upside than Robert Woods. Yep. So we'll see where he's going as the offseason progresses and talk more about his value. But lastly here, Gerald Everett to the Chargers. You know, we were saying, which tight end signs with the Chargers? Like Justin Herbert, baby. Does Gerald Everett do it for you? And also, are we overvaluing the tight end position with Herbert? Because Jared Cook really didn't do anything. He was old. Um, Hunter Henry in the right, like, not really doing it either with Justin Herbert. So what are our thoughts here? I'm ready to get burned again by the Chargers <laughs> tight end. I'm going to do it. Uh, it's not because of Gerald Everett. It's not that I've ever been a huge Gerald Everett stand, But I'm willing to believe that the right guy there, who is not Jared Cook, can still be very efficient. Hunter Henry, I mean, most of his production for fantasy did come from touchdowns during his stints there with the Chargers. But Gerald Everett could very much be that guy. We could be looking at a 10-touchdown guy with Gerald Everett, and that's what gets me a little excited. Yes, it will all come down to touchdowns because I don't think the volume's going to be there, right? Like, he does – he has Keenan Allen. He has Mike Williams. Maybe they bring in another dude, but they also have Josh Palmer, um, Jalen Guyton. Like, they have other guys to target. Gerald Everett should, you know, he's going to be involved in the game plan, but very unlikely he sees, I don't, I don't think he even gets close to hundred targets next year. Uh, but so it's going to come down to the touchdowns, which he should be able to get in this offense. Gerald Everett never really like screams touchdown guy to me, but <laughs> no, he's going to probably be one of these guys that falls into that tight end dead zone. So Mo Ali Cox or with now with Matt Ryan, with the Colts or Gerald Everett? Gerald Everett. Because Matt Ryan and tight ends have never been synonymous to me. So I will take Gerald Everett in what I perceive to be a better situation. Yeah, that was a fluke, I feel like. Who who, who else? Tony Gonzalez? Was he not with no. Matt Ryan? Well, okay, but to- Tony Gonzalez is his own level of tight end. I mean, like for a garden variety tight end. Wait, so you're just you're seem- excusing everybody then? It was Tony Gonzalez, it was Austin Hooper, and then it was Kyle Pitts. Like you're just excusing everyone. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Did Austin Hooper ever have ton, 10 touchdowns in a season, though, with Matt Ryan? I feel like that that is not the case. 
I mean, and I'm uh, looking right now. The most he ever had in a season with Matt Ryan was six touchdowns. Yes. And that was his ceiling. Then he had four, three, and three. Matt Ryan does throw a lot of touchdowns. So you're right. Like, it's just Matt Ryan hasn't right. been a touchdown dude. He did put up 787 yards with Matt Ryan. There's something there. Kyle Pitts last year All did right. have no touchdowns with Julio Jones. So I guess if you're. <laughs> Yeah, you probably don't want to count on much volume going Mo Alley Cox's way. You don't see him catching like 80 balls next year. That's not really something that he's going to do. So if Matt Ryan's also not, you know, a huge touch on guy, let's, I'll go with Gerald Everett here pretty, pretty uh, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want either. I I don't want either. Pass. All right, that's it for this round of free agency. I'm sure we'll get some more news for next week, but we'll come up with some fun segment to get to because now we know where all these guys have landed. And maybe we won't have a wild week of trades next week. You know, maybe we can breathe for a second. Yeah, this podcast gets stale before we're done recording because the news flies. I mean, before we got on, you know, there was news about DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett could be leaving Seattle to go to the Packers or the Chiefs. That would be wild. So maybe we'll be talking about that next week. But if you have any questions, any comments about the pod that aren't mean, come find me on Twitter. I'm your host, (laughs) Michelle. You can find me on Twitter at Bob Blastem, Bob Blast E-M. And I'm Kate. You can follow me at FFBallBlast. And you can direct all your mean tweets to me at Jake Trowbridge <laughs> with a W. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.